0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 18. And once you get there, um, just anchor yourself there. We'll come back to that passage of scripture. So you're taking your teaching notes out. You're opening your Bibles up to John chapter 18. Last weekend, uh, we laid the foundation for our newest teaching series, which focuses on the kingdom of God. Depending on which translation you're reading from, you will find reference in the New Testament to the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, somewhere between 80 and 120 times. As you read through the gospels, you'll find that Jesus taught extensively about the kingdom of God. So. Obviously, the kingdom of God is a very important subject. Last week, we established that when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're actually talking about God's heavenly rule and authority over all creation. God's heavenly rule and authority over all creation. We established that Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven from heaven to earth and in doing so he made the way for salvation so that we could be members Of his family. And we establish that by receiving this gift of salvation and becoming a Christ follower, we become the people, the subjects, the citizens of the kingdom of God. And as kingdom citizens, we live under the rule and the authority of the King, Jesus, and we live as his representatives here on earth. We also identified four foundational, four very necessary components of the kingdom principle that we have to connect if we're going to fully understand the kingdom of God. And here they are. In every kingdom, there has to be a king. Someone who has final authority. In every kingdom, there has to be a people. And the people of the kingdom or the citizens of the kingdom uh, submit themselves to the rule, the authority of the king. In every kingdom there has to be a rule. In other words, there's a way of life that has been established that tells this is what life will look like in the kingdom. And the the citizens of the kingdom willingly submit to that rule. It actually establishes what the relationship will look like between the king and the people. And finally, in a kingdom, there has to be a place or a space, a territory where the king rules. So as citizens in the kingdom of of God, Jesus is the King. Right? And Jesus has final authority. Um, As citizens of this kingdom, when we're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, we become the citizens of the kingdom. We become the people of the kingdom. And we willingly submit ourselves to the lordship, uh, the authority of Jesus, King Jesus, in and over our lives. And in the kingdom of God, we submit ourselves to the rule of the kingdom, which is the the word of God. The word of God has established the way of life in the kingdom. And it has also established what the relationship will look like between King Jesus and we as kingdom citizens. And then finally, as kingdom citizens, the place where King Jesus rules, the space is our heart. He takes residence there as we invite him into our lives and his residence or his presence in our life is manifest by the way we live our life. And with that, if you weren't here last week, you just got a good overview of everything that we talked about last week. So I'm going to keep moving on. Um, Turn the corner a little bit. Tomorrow afternoon, The East Lincoln team, or the East Lincoln staff, as we would refer to them, uh, will gather in my office for our weekly team meeting, our weekly staff meeting. And that means that tomorrow morning, I'll begin, as I prepare for that meeting, to think about the conversations that will need to take place while we're meeting. And as I identify those conversations, I'll begin to put them on paper. I'll create a document. In other words, I will create an agenda for our meeting. Now, I think we've probably all participated in meetings where there was a prepared agenda. Agendas aren't uncommon, and interestingly enough, agendas aren't always written down. In reality, uh, probably, Anywhere you go or any group of people that you find yourself in, it is very likely that there will be a spoken or an unspoken agenda. And that's because people have programs and plans and priorities and things that they want to get done, and they have a particular way that they want to see them happen. And that's not a bad thing most times, right? It's a reality, though. There there typically is an agenda. Now, with that in mind, I want you to listen to this passage of scripture from Luke chapter 8, verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. This verse tells us something very significant, and it tells us that Jesus had an agenda. And if there was ever an agenda that you wanted to be included in, if there was ever an agenda that you wanted to be part of, it was this agenda. It was the agenda of Jesus because the agenda that he was proclaiming was kingdom agenda. I want you to listen to a couple of other verses that give further proof. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near.'" In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And those are just some of the verses that identify that Jesus was teaching about the kingdom. So very obviously, we can see that Jesus was led by a kingdom agenda. And today, we want to talk about some truths That we find within the kingdom, uh, within that kingdom agenda. And we're going to start by going to that passage I heard you turn to in John chapter 18. I'm going to read to you beginning in verse 28. And I'm going to read all the way to verse 37. John 18 verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own laws. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is this your idea? Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. So after Jesus was arrested, he was taken to Pontius Pilate. He appeared before Pilate. The Jews wanted to put Jesus to death, but they didn't have the authority to carry out capital punishment. Only the Romans had this authority, so that's why they went to Pontius Pilate. Uh, When they brought Jesus before Pontius Pilate, uh, they came with accusation. And the accusation that they were making was very strategic. They claimed that Jesus was making himself out to be a king. The strategy is they knew that if Jesus was claiming to be a king, then he would be guilty of treason. And if you're claiming to be a king then that means that you have a kingdom or you have a people, a territory that you're king over. And this prompted Pilate to ask his very first question. Are you the king of the Jews? In other words, he was saying, Are you, have you set up kind of a kingdom of your own? Have you gathered a, a bunch of Jews and you've declared yourself the ruler over them? And to that, Jesus responded, my kingdom is not of this world. What did Jesus mean when he said, my kingdom is not of this world? What did he mean? Well, he was clarifying that while his kingdom was in the world, his kingdom was not of the world the point that he was making is that his kingdom was not a kingdom that was first established on earth. Instead, his kingdom had been established in the heavenlies. And then Jesus demonstrates this by saying, and this is my paraphrase of what he said, um, if my kingdom If my kingdom were a kingdom that I had set up here on earth, then my disciples would be ready with their swords drawn, ready to fight to overthrow the Roman government. But you see that they're not. And if my kingdom were a kingdom that I had set up here on earth, then I wouldn't be going to the cross without a fight. Because Jesus... Was the king of a heavenly kingdom, he did not advance his kingdom through cultural methods or a cultural agenda that had saturated the world that he was living in. Instead, he stayed true to the heavenly kingdom agenda. I love how the Apostle Paul affirms this kingdom principle in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I'm going to read that again. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Therefore, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to try to advance my kingdom the same way that you carry out your warfare. Because my kingdom is a heavenly kingdom so my battle is a spiritual battle. I do spiritual warfare. So how do we take this and how do we move it in? How do we translate it into our everyday lives? Because really, that's, that's the purpose of the word, right? It's given for our instruction, for correction, for teaching, reproof. So we want to know, how do I take that and how do I live it out every day? Listen, the methods that we use for navigating the routine daily ups and downs of life will reflect the source of our methods. You hear that? In other words, the choices and the decisions That we make every day will reflect the source that we draw from to make those choices and those decisions. The choices and decisions that you and I make every day will reflect which kingdom we choose to live in. That's very important. When you and I choose to live by a kingdom agenda, it will affect every choice, every decision that you and I make every day. When you and I allow a kingdom agenda, which is rooted and established in kingdom rule, which is the word of God. So when we allow the word of God to guide us in the choices and the decisions that we make, our choices as kingdom citizens will, should look different. That's pretty strong, right? It should look different because it will reflect, they will reflect the kingdom that we choose to live in. Because as kingdom citizens... We choose to line ourselves up with the Word of God, that means that we will not align ourselves with any cultural agenda that does not acknowledge biblical truth. Just think about that for just a minute. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we will not align ourselves with any cultural method that does not align with biblical truth. Why? Because the kingdom agenda is rooted and established in biblical truth. World beliefs and cultural norms that leave God out of the equation must not define our decisions, our priorities, or our relationships we have to guard against trying to take a little bit of the kingdom agenda and mixing it with a lot of the world's agenda. I think this causes us all to think because we live in the world. Even though we know that as citizens of the kingdom of God, we're not of this world and our citizenship is in heaven. We're still living here on earth. And the the culture around us is saturated by ungodly, unbiblical methods for making choices and decisions. And because we're in that every day, it's really easy to dilute the kingdom agenda. And convince ourselves that it's okay. But as kingdom citizens, our decisions have to look different. So what's the truth that we've identified? God's kingdom agenda originates from his heavenly realm, not an earthly realm. Um, Keep us moving on. I want you to listen to a couple of verses from the Psalms. Psalms 103, 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Psalm 115, verse 3 says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Those are pretty um, straightforward verses about God, aren't they? Those verses actually reveal the sovereignty of God and they introduce us to the second kingdom truth. That truth is that when you come into God's kingdom, you come under his sovereign rule. So what are we actually talking about when we talk about the sovereignty of God? Well, God's sovereignty refers to his supreme rule over all creation, visible and invisible. I like to explain it this way. God is the creator. Are we all agreed on that? God is the creator. As the creator, he owns his creation. As the owner of his creation, guess what? He can do whatever he pleases with his creation. And we can trust that God will always be working for the good of his creation. God's sovereignty in his rule is absolute and comprehensive. Listen to this. God is accountable to no one. That's the sovereignty of God. God is not acting by or through anyone's permission because he's sovereign. He's supreme. He is the creator. He owns his creation and he can do whatever he pleases. So, once again, how do we take that and how do we bring it over into everyday life, the life we live out every day? I can do this. (laughs) Um, Think about when you were growing up, probably in your teenage years, while you were still living at home, did you ever get into a disagreement or a conflict with your parents because you didn't like the way they ran their house? You didn't like their rules. Let me tell this story. One of our sons, we won't say which one, informed us one time that we weren't providing the creative environment he needed for his creativity. Do you know what my wife told him? Well, that place is down the street. It costs about $1,400 a month, and you can go rent it if you want to. In that, When you were a teenager... And you got involved in one of those conversations with your parents. Did you ever hear, and this probably would have come from your father more so than your mother, maybe your mom, but then you heard this, well, as long as you live in my house, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. I remember having that conversation on multiple occasions with my two boys. And here's the translation of that conversation. This home is the Wilson home. And this family is the Wilson family. Your mom and I have very purposely made choices and decisions about how life will be lived out in this home. And it's called the Wilson family agenda. And as long as you live in my house, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. And I'm sure some of you, maybe many of you, have had that conversation. If you haven't, you will. Trust me. Trust me. So how do I take that and how do I connect it to this kingdom truth? Well, remember, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. That also means that as citizens of the kingdom of God, we are members of God's family. Therefore, we live in God's household. And God, who is sovereign, who is supreme, who uh, has final authority, we'll even go as far as to say who calls the shots, has established a way of life for the kingdom family. Again, here it is. God has given us his word so that we can understand how to live life out as kingdom citizens. So as long as we are part of God's family, and Scripture says that that's eternal, then we must willingly submit. We must choose to live our life out, to make our choices, to make our decisions according to the kingdom family agenda. And that means we give up control. We don't call the shots. Instead, we live by the kingdom family agenda. It's a daily choice that we have to make. Every day we get to decide again. And some days it's much easier than other days, right? But that's the way life happens in the kingdom family. And then let me tag this on because we can be assured that our heavenly father who is the creator of the universe, who is sovereign, who owns his creation and can do whatever he wants to is always working for the good of his creation. He's not out to harm us. He's there to help us. Um, let's look at a third kingdom truth. I want you to listen as I read a passage of scripture from Colossians uh, chapter 15. Um, I'm going to read just oh, maybe two verses. That's uh, Colossians 15. There's no Colossians 15. Colossians chapter 1. <laughs> Beginning in verse 15. You were supposed to catch me on that. Uh, In beginning in verse 15 of Colossians 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, he holds all things together. Real quick summary of that verse. Everything is from God. God's the source. Everything is through God. God is the cause. And everything is for God, which reveals to us the third kingdom truth. God's kingdom exists for his glory. The verse said everything is for God. In other other words, everything returns to God to bring him glory. Let me talk about glory very, very briefly. There are two kinds of glory. There's ascribed glory and there's intrinsic glory. Ascribed glory is the kind of glory that you uh, proclaim of someone. You ascribe to them because of their position, their power, their status, who they are, what they do. Psalm 29 2 says, to ascribe to the Lord the glory Do his name. And we did that this morning. While we were singing, worshiping, while we were lifting up verbal praise and adoration, we were bringing glory to God. We were glorifying him. We were proclaiming his greatness. Intrinsic glory is very, very different. We ascribed to the Lord glory through our worship. But if we failed to do that, God would not have lost anything. And that's because his glory is intrinsic. Think of it this way. Do you all agree with me that the sun is hot? Did somebody say no? (laughs) The sun's hot. In other words, the sun doesn't have to try to be hot. Would you agree with me that the sun is bright? Yeah, the sun doesn't have to try to be bright. It can be dark here, but because the sun is bright on the other side of the world, guess what? It's light. Well, listen, what heat and brightness are to the sun, glory is to God. God doesn't have to try to be glorified. Listen, we could close all of the blinds in our house and it would not, it would not diminish the brightness or the heat of the sun in any way. And in like manner, there's nothing that you and I can do to diminish the glory of God. We can ascribe glory to God and, and, and tell how great He is but there's nothing we can do to diminish His glory because His, His glory is intrinsic. So for us to understand the concept of God's glory is to understand that God did not first and foremost create the world for us. God Created the world for himself. He created the universe for his pleasure and his glory. So as kingdom citizens, we live by aligning ourselves with kingdom agenda. Kingdom principles, the word, and in doing so, we glorify God. And as we glorify God, he pours his works into us. And with those works, we use them to bring glory to him. Everything exists to bring glory to God. I'm going to conclude with this this final truth. In Matthew chapter 6, we find the, the model prayer, uh, the Lord's prayer. Maybe it's a better disciple, the disciples' prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The kingdom of God and the will of God are united. Here's the principle. God's kingdom operates according to his will. Not our will but according to his will. This means that you and I can't experience the fullness of the kingdom if we're not willing to submit to the king's agenda. If we're not willing to submit to the king's will. I don't know if you noticed, but there's really pretty common theme throughout this message, and that's God's sovereign. He is the supreme ruler over creation, He's called us through Jesus Christ. He's made it possible for us to be his family members, to be citizens of the kingdom, and he's given us a way of life in the kingdom. It's the kingdom agenda which is found in the word. Therefore, life is different for us in every decision and every choice that we make because it's driven by kingdom agenda. It will not align with cultural methods that do not acknowledge biblical truth So here's what I want you to think about this morning earlier I said that the methods that we use for our choices to make our choices and decisions will reveal the source of the method in other words our choices our decisions will reveal the kingdom that we choose to live in I want you to think about your choices and your decisions that you're making in life right now. What do they reveal about your methods? Are you trying to take a little bit of the kingdom agenda and mix it a lot with a lot of the world's agenda? Or are you living by a kingdom agenda? Which kingdom... Are you choosing to live in? What do your choice and decisions reveal about the kingdom that you're choosing to live in? I want you to bow your heads and I want you to just consider that about your own life. And be honest with yourself and with God. And if you can identify cultural means and methods, a cultural agenda that does not acknowledge God, that does not acknowledge biblical truth in your decision making, then tell God about it. Say, I'm sorry. I repent. Please forgive me. Empower me by your spirit to make the right choices according to kingdom agenda. Father, I think that we're all guilty at times for trying to mix kingdom agenda and worldly agenda and somehow trying to justify it. Please forgive us for the times that we've done that or for even if we're doing it now. Forgive us of that sin. We offer it to you. We thank you that you forgive us and we ask that by your spirit you empower us and that we would fully choose to live by a kingdom agenda, by kingdom principles, the principles found in the Word, and that we would not align ourselves with anything that does not acknowledge God or does not acknowledge biblical truth. Thank you because you hear us when we pray. And thank you for setting us straight. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask a question that I ask every week. Ask in faith every week. Is there anyone here today? And you say, I've never entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In other words, I've never never accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've never acknowledged my need for a Savior. But something's stirring in my heart today, and I want to change. I want to be reconciled to God. I recognize that I've been separated from Him by my own sin, my own choices. But I believe that Jesus paid the price for me on the cross, and I want Him to take residence in my life, in my heart. If you're here today and you want to do that for the very first time, would you just simply lift up your hand, maybe let your eye catch my eye. Is there anybody here today? Anybody at all? Father, thank you for the great gift of salvation in this room. Thank you that you've called us to be members of your family, citizens of your kingdom. I pray that our choices and our decisions would reflect that kingdom and then as we live out in the world every day that people would be drawn to us because we're different and they would ask us why and we could tell them your story and we could help bring them in as your Holy Spirit works in their heart bring them into the kingdom and that we can help them grow in their relationship with you thank you for giving us that privilege. And Father, I just pray blessings over everybody in this room. I pray that as they go, they would experience you in every possible way of their lives as they submit themselves to you. I pray that they have an incredibly great week. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.